what's up y'all it's another night and we are about to get into another halloween murder um (laughs) when preparing this story you know i love to identify things what's what's going on consistently in the story and the number three consistently comes up the number three you know just to give you a small numerology lesson the number three is usually embodied by jovial fun upbeat living life to the fullest that's a number that helps you embrace your current moment and what you want to attain right however a weakness in the number three is often getting yourself in bad situations, not having the forethought, and being too egotistical. Is three a crowd? We are in Sun Valley, California, a small town on the outskirts of Los Angeles. It is a late night, about 11 p.m. on Halloween night, and Peter Fabiano and his wife Betty had settled for bed after a long night of holiday participation. When the doorbell rang, Mr. Peter Fabiano got up and grabbed the remaining candy and answered the door. Thinking the late night caller was a usual trick-or-treater, Peter grumpily asks, It's kind of late for this, isn't it? And according to Betty Fabiano, a tip the police worked off of, she heard a muffled no, then a pop. As she ran to her husband's aid, she heard tires screeching off. Peter was shot point blank and succumbed to his wounds before he made it to the hospital. The police soon started the investigation of the murder of Peter Fabiano. They canvassed the neighborhood and did get a 15-year-old boy's account of seeing a car leave very fast. Betty Fabiano, the wife, told investigators she heard a man trying to disguise his voice as a woman as why the no came out gruffled to the witnesses, Betty and her 15-year-old daughter from a previous marriage. When the case first started, there were literally zero leads. Like... Peter Fabiano was this, you know, very locally known hairstylist. And when I say locally known, like, he was known, known, like, he was like the 50s version of Tay. Like, he served all the bad bitches. He had two salons and his bitch, Miss Betty, oh, she was the baddest, okay? He kept her on point. He was her hairstylist as well. Um... But there were like zero leads on who would want to murder Peter Fabiano. It wasn't until the media began to whisper about it looking like a gang hit. And like 
that would be very unusual because think I'm I'm telling you, think of Tay, think of Jonathan, like serving the bad bitches, giving life. They ain't really got time to be up in the streets doing, you know, who, what, a water with the gangs and the money and the casinos and the gambling, none of that. They don't be having time for that. They they building bad bitches and building a brand. And that's what Peter Fabiano was doing, okay? Um, So they ran Peter's background and they did find a bookie charge. But it happened about eight to ten years ago so it wasn't really relevant and there wasn't any recent activity in the gambling world that related to peter so back at square one investigators asked betty if she knew anybody that would want to harm her husband and betty had an answer like she quickly gave up the name joan rebel a former family friend so investigators went to go question and asked joan hey you killed peter what's your beef for peter and after talking to her they realized that she ain't really have no beef for peter okay like she didn't kill him i don't know why she said my name like that's her but they didn't really get into the drama they didn't really care in the beginning and clearly that's strange but i also remember it's the 50s they really ain't suspecting nothing like this okay i mean like just think about it the murder happened so quickly like he got up from his bed answered the door it's kind of late for this isn't it no get shot in the chest and the perpetrator runs off and goes so it's kind of like it's not overkill because you know when it's overkill everybody thinks you're close to the person so it's like did this mean business what was this we're gonna get into what it actually was okay they let miss rebel go okay and then the case was at a standstill for about, I want to say about like three months. I mean, the streets was whispering. The bars was talking, you know. And John was in the bar. She was listening to what they were saying. And they didn't really get her name from her being questioned. So, she was just playing it low key. You're wanting to know why she's important. But I'll soon get into it. Just hold your horses, okay? It's my story. <laughs> uh, downtown Los Angeles department store called the police to inform them that there was a locker that got rented about three weeks ago and the person that rented it never came back so y'all might want to come see what's in this locker of course the police were interested because I mean if somebody left their purse, put it in your lost and found, child. You ain't calling the police about that. So we gonna go see what's in this locker. Honey, they get to the locker and they find a 38 Smith & Wesson. So they go ahead and grab that. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, we don't even know what this for, but somebody try to hide it. We need that. So when they go ahead and get it, take it to evidence, they test it because they really ain't got much going on. It's the 50s. So really the only murder they need to be investigating is bruh's. Yeah, it matched. It matched the, the bullet, you know, the casings, however they be wanting to say. 
I will say there was no shell casings left at the scene because apparently the shooter had the gun in a paper bag so it caught the shell casing when it ejected the bullet. Somebody was smart and I guess I can understand why they thought it was a hit at first, right? So they go back to the department store like, hey, yo, we need the name. Like, we got the evidence, but we need the name. And, you know, it's, on, it's, it's really important. Give us that name. So they had to go through their records. And they realized the locker was rented by Goldeen Pizer, a lab assistant at the Children's Hospital in Los Angeles. And when they picked Miss Pizer up, you know what Shorty said? I killed him. <laughs> Damn, bitch, was that on your chest? You couldn't wait? We not even at the the police station yet. We still in the car. Like, hold your horses. Can I read you your rights? But, yeah, Ms. Pizer admitted, like, yeah, I killed him. But what was Pizer's connection to Fabiano? And... Who was Pizer? Did Fabiano have a side chick? I mean, but how did Joan fit into it? Why was she listening in the streets? Y'all, when I say things don't be appearing how they seem. Mm. So let's get into it. Miss Joan Rebel, the woman Betty initially suggested to the police, was... Fucking on Miss Betty. <laughs> you heard me right. Miss Betty, who said Joan would want to hurt her husband, definitely snitched on her own side piece. Okay? She was fucking on Joan. Joan was a closeted lesbian. She had moved to L.A. from Philly after a failed marriage. She began working at Peter's salon as like a photographer or something like that. They said she was a writer slash photographer. So she was artsy and whatnot. Okay. And she, while she was working at the salon, she got close to Miss Betty. You know, at first they were friends, you know, kiki, 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 kiki. And then she lit, 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 lit. I don't know how it happened, how quick it happened, but it ain't my business. I ain't judging. I'm just saying that's what happened. And because they got so close that it started causing problems in the marriage between Betty and Peter. It is said that Peter was a little abusive, controlling because Betty had to be on points at all times you feel me i'm telling you he was the bad bitch creator and he was not about to have the bitch representing his name look like nothing she had to be on it at all times even at home she was holding it down okay so it was said that he was a little abusive but who said it Joan, betty ain't never not even in court trial interview nothing done said that this man was abusive so betty had moved out of her home and was living with john for a little bit and you know kicking the shit having a good time you know number three make you embrace life because mm. three is a crowd at this point you are still legally married ma'am and betty 
soon remembered that and she went back to where the money resided because why am I gonna fuck with the worker at the salon and not be keep owning the fucking salon bitch I'm with the boss and I'm fucking with the worker maybe she reevaluated her situation because it wasn't making sense to me from the beginning sis but do you but when she went back home Peter did have some stipulations, mainly one. You cannot talk to that bitch, John. Not nam, ma'am, motherfucking time, no more. Lose a number, lose a address. Don't talk to her. Don't look at her. She don't even work at this salon no more. That bitch is invisible, dead. Whatever you want to call it, get through your day, but she don't exist to you. And if that's a problem for you, you can't come back home. So you know what Betty did? She shut the fuck up. <laughs> she definitely cut that bitch all the way off, okay? She did exactly fucking that. Um, and Miss John was hurt. Not only did she lose her job, bitch, she lost her bitch. <laughs> So, eventually, as Joan started her healing process, she started um, meeting and having coffee dates with this woman named Goldine Pizer. Um, It's unknown where they actually met. And they were having daily coffee dates. And as they were drinking the coffee, they were spilling the tea, child. Okay? Joan was telling Miss Goldine everything about the Fabiano. She was airing their fucking dirty laundry out. Like a trifling ass, hurt as bitter as bitch. It was really giving pathetic. But Goldie didn't see it like that because the way Joan was framing it, Peter was also in some form of way psychologically abusing Joan as well. Like even with the job manipulation situation. Um, so eventually, like Goading started hating a person that she did not even know. She started inheriting, and it kind of reads off as brainwashing. Like, she did even admit in court that she was weak and she was a follower. So, she really had low level decision making skills on her own. Um, so it's giving Joan brainwashed her. And soon these coffee dates turned into like stakeout dates. <laughs> it's a weird progression if you ask me, but I'm not judging anybody's dating process because this single life has showed me, whoo, it can be different. But after the stakeout dates, Joan gave Goldine some money and was like, here, boo. Go buy you a glizzy. <laughs> and if you know me, that's my love language. <laughs> I ain't got no shame. Anyways, so she tell her to go buy a gun. She do it. I don't know at that point if they had actually discussed the murder, but Joan had said multiple times that she just wished Peter was dead. And it was Halloween night that it was determined that her wish would come true. Joan dressed Goldine up in blue jeans, a khaki jacket, red gloves, and heavy makeup with a domino mask. And if you know Batman, you know Domino. That's classic Batman, okay? Anyways, 
Joan also borrowed a neighbor's car. I guess this is going to be her getaway car, but let me tell you something about this neighbor. When they started questioning, trying to figure out what car she used, and they realized it was the neighbor's car, he was like, yeah, she used my car, and she used like 39 miles, but she told me she was going to the grocery store. So I'm trying to figure out what grocery store she went to that ended up using 39 miles. <laughs> if, you, if you actually think about the 50s, like, where do you need to drive that actually uses 40 miles not not even 20 miles there like there was something closer to you <laughs> they borrowed a neighbor's car they put up to the fabiano's house and they sat outside on the stakeout like they was there all night they was there for a couple of hours and they waited until the lights went out and once the lights went out, <laughs> Joan said to Godin, all right, go do it. And you know what Godin did? She fucking did it. Dummy. Shotty ran to the car. Joan kissed her and said, thank you. They drove off fast. And they went to go burn the clothes and return the car. Once Joan and Goldine were going to part ways, Joan said the most romantic words a woman could ever hear. Forget you ever knew me. <laughs> it took the fuck off, bitch. <laughs> Yo, she played that whole like a fiddle because forget I knew you, bitch. We getting married. We having kids. Like, I don't know what you thought this was, but I just committed murder for you, ho. But for real, Goldine didn't even actually think of it as she committed murder for Joan. She thought of it as not only doing a service to society of getting rid of this male abuser, um, she also felt like she was freeing Betty to be who she really wanted to be just from the story she heard from Joan. So they part ways and it wasn't until a little later Shadi was like, hold the fuck up. What am I supposed to do with this gun? Dummy times 10, bitch. You should have been got rid of that murder weapon when you was burning fucking clothes, bitch. You delayed. You real fucking stupid. Anyways, this is when she got the bright idea to go rent a fucking locker at a department store. And I ain't never heard of no shit like this. Maybe this is something that was done back then. Because I ain't know they had lockers at the department store. Like, you be shopping so long, you got to put your shit up. I'm concerned or do they do it for the top VIP members like which one you work in and also in the 50s bitch how many lockers department stores people was written shit like that so you knew your ass was gonna get the fuck caught okay so when Goldine gets caught from the locker she confesses and says she was brainwashed by John Rebel. The police go get Rebel. She denies it. They go to court. Goldine pleads not guilty by insanity. And I guess you know 
stupid can translate into crazy but most crazy people ain't stupid but we gonna let you have it um and joan was big chilling like she was like i ain't do shit like all this shit circumstantial this he said she said ultimately so i'm not guilty um and the jury said bitch y'all both the fuck guilty yeah y'all guilty fuck both y'all y'all guilty go to jail go to jail for a long time and in the 50s 60s by this time a long time meant like 10 years for a murder charge Mm. what's weird about this case is that they never further question betty i'm not saying shorty had a hand in it because there was whispers about that but they never panned out like what could she have possibly gained from getting her husband murdered she literally never spoke to joan again never had any kind of relation with another woman afterwards so it wasn't really a hundred percent plausible that she had a hand in it it is weird that when it came time to give that eyewitness account she described a man disguising the voice as a woman when in turn it was actually a woman disguising their voice as a man and she also said it seemed like it were two people and if you recall she was in bed at this moment so how did she know they were like up and going to the getaway car all she heard were tires screeching but she specifically said two people I do feel like there could have been more investigation on that side. I do um, feel like the milk ain't so clean. She soon sold the businesses after the trial and soon remarried as well. She lived a long life. She didn't pass until the age of 81. Goldene Pizer served about 12 to 15 years in prison. The records vary, but she was released and she lived until about the age of 78, 79. But what happened to Joan? Is that the Halloween mystery? Because nobody knows. They don't know where she went to prison. They don't know if she left prison. They don't know if she died in prison. There's literally no records of Joan after the sentencing. So I posed a question for my followers with no context. And I had to ask, is you willing to make your side piece kill your main piece to live happily ever after? And I did make it into kind of a two part question. Like I took a poll. Yes or no. Unanimously. No. (laughs) And some of the answers I got for why or why not. Jackson underscore four underscore life. Nah, having a side piece gives you a reason to travel to New York, Miami, LA, etc. Laughing emoji. I'm so lovely, 22. Hell nah, because I'm not going to jail behind nobody. <laughs> Royal Lee underscore. Hell nah, I don't want no killers. Motherfucker might get mad and kill me too. 
Roman eleven underscore because I want to be able to sneak to you without nobody knowing we fucking anyways. Amani's honey because that side nigga gonna eventually get on my nerves too. Thank you guys for listening and make sure you follow me on IG Anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts at Cloudy Conclusion.